people deluded i'm back again welcome back to the podcast and all of these sort of things there man and what can i say thank you for rocking with all my content from the written content on wordpress to obviously the youtube where i've built the core following and put the majority of the work in down to this latest venture in the podcast to be honest people the reason why i'm trying to do all of these platforms is because it challenges me to diversify my content and first and foremost you ask for it so it is what it is but we're back again with another episode so we might as well crack on i've asked you a lot for podcast topics so here it goes first and foremost before we crack on with the better stuff i think it's important to mention sadly lukaku he's obviously just moved to inter milan he scored again i believe making it two and two but while we should be focusing on how he's adapting and whatnot we have to mention racism now he was subject to racist taunts monkey charts specifically in inter milan's game against caligri it is disgraceful people you know yourself we've been down this road before we've been in net several times with players in italy with players in england players on social media players in the physical players in all sorts of divisions we've been here i can sit here and say racism has no place and all the other rehearsed lyrics um which is true but it is what it is it's quite upsetting people and to be honest i can't understand why the game's not haunted halted sorry because it was halted when people in france for couple of games now i can't it was one one was a game mets was playing because i recorded it on my tv um for homophobic chance now if you can stop it for homophobic chance why can you not stop it for racism i'm not saying one cause is better than the other but it does it seems to feel that one group of people one cause is better than the other because racism how comes when you can hear clear chance it's not stopped um, big up the referees and whatnot for stopping it when people are making homophobic chants. But why is it when it's racism, there's always not enough evidence and players and manage, referees, sorry, lack the courage or um, and things like that. But when it's when it's um, homophobic chants, it gets locked off without any shadow of a doubt. The game gets paused. Think about where we've been calling for that to happen um, in regards to racism for years, and we was told every excuse under the sun. While it's not a good reason for for for. Um, referees and players to walk off pitches and things and then it's happening now i mean the authorities clearly take take fans for idiot but it is what it is all i can do say to lukaku is i'm disappointed and it's happened to him but i'll be honest people it was expected let's let's be honest when he signed for inter milan we knew at some point he's gonna that's gonna happen to him it's sad to say but it wasn't he's smart enough to consider that and to be honest, Lukaku won at the end of the day. He scored his goal. His team, his team walked away with the points. What can he do? He's got two in two. These are idiots because the majority of people that are saying this, one, would not say it to his face. Two, are bottlers. And three, they, their wife and whatnot are probably catting for Lukaku. You know what they say, once you go to a certain place, you never go back and whatnot. So, big up Lukaku. Hold your head up, man. I mean, it's, it's sad, but it's going to be the latest incident and it's not going to stop. Um, we're gonna hit, there's gonna be more incidences similar to that before the end of the year, clearly. And sadly, probably in regards to Lukaku's time in Italy, there's going to be more more occasions like this. These are the same fans that racially abused Moise, Moise Keane, now of Everton, formerly of Juventus. But it is what it is, man. Let's move on from that crap. Um, moving on from that, people, and a quick one: Monaco now. You lot remember a couple of years ago, Monaco had a good model. They brought Mbappe through this academy. They had Bakayoko. They had Mendy. They had Bernardo Silva, who they sourced from abroad. They had a couple other players. And they were all sold on for profit. And to be honest, Monaco had a good youth model and still do. But what's happened in the last recent couple of years? Because if you look at it, young players that are going Monaco, they're not really playing like that. You get it? like Navarro, Roberto Navarro, who I believe has the world of potential. And I wanted him at Arsenal, but uh, and he showed his talent over the summer for Spain's youth level. Um, he was playing for Fingy. He was playing for Monaco. He's left and joined Sociedad. Now, I think he's got a big future, but for him to leave Monaco, was there a pathway? There's rumours that Pellegrini, who's had in, had rotten luck with injuries in Monaco since leaving to go Genoa, wants to return, I mean, leaving from Genoa wants to return to Italy. I mean, obviously, it's not as easy as going to Monaco and you start playing, but you look at Mbula, who they signed from Barcelona. Um, you look at um, Mosuengo, who they sold to Bristol. Um, you look at... Um, what's that lad that went on, that left to go Nice? Um, Lillian Churam's son. Um, there's, 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 a, there's a couple there's a couple players just, just leaving the club, really. You look at Panzo. Panzo started two of, the, of, of three of Monaco's games at a point. He's gone on loan to Bruges. 
is the pathway there at Monaco? Because for a lot of these young players, you would have thought they've got opportunities and they haven't. There's still young players in and about the squad. And I'm just using these as examples. But for one reason or another, these lot have gone to Monaco and it hasn't quite ha- it hasn't quite happened for them. Now, for me, Monaco have a great young player in Enzo Milio, so they should do everything they can to play that young midfielder eventually. Um, but it is, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. It is what it is. Finally, before we get on to other business, I wanted to mention something, people, because for me personally, I feel when you talk about young players, everybody looks at Germany and abroad as as the, as the haven. Everybody sees that once a young player goes there, they're going to return a player or they're going to have a Jaden Sancho career. And it doesn't always happen. And just because it doesn't always happen, it doesn't mean it's a failure for them. I think people look at it basic, people. Because for every Jaden Sancho, there's stories which look a bit different. I mean, you look at Mandela Egbo, forgive me for mispronunciations, formerly of Gladbach, um, um, Gladbach and Crystal Palace, departed Crystal Palace to go to Gladbach, was one of the first to go there. And everyone knows Sancho, no disrespect to Mandela, but nobody... I would I would say most people won't think of him when it comes to when it comes when it comes to this abroad stuff. And to be fair with you, I think it was a good move for him because it was he showed courage. Um, he probably learned a lot at Gladbach. At the end of the day, he's playing in the second division for a German side now. I can't remember the t- the name of the team, people. But at 22 years of age, would he be playing in the second division in Germany? Or if he if he stayed at Palace, would he be playing in the under 23s, going out on loan? here at pre-season not quite part of the team with it so while he'd not have made it of at gladback you can't really say it was a bad decision people because you look at him um he's actually i've actually got some segments in regards to um what he said about them even he said no way was there any doubts i often get asked do you think things would have been different at palace of course they would but would they have been better or worse i don't look at it like that i've taken this step and it's done Whatever happens is not going to be at Palace anymore. It's going to be at, at Borussia Gladbach. I'm enjoying myself, my life. It's the right decision that I've made. This is obviously when he made the move, people. I didn't feel any nerves as, as my shirt was put on and I knew as I was coming on, it, it felt just like a normal game. As soon as I came on, the ball fell to me. I had a rush of blood thinking, just kick it. I took it and passed it and realised it was a normal game. In terms of turning down a professional contract, I was one of the first and now a few others have done it as well. It's not good or bad, it's just a different experience whether you get 100 games in the Premier League or 100 games in the Bundesliga. It's just a different experience. From an early age, the club will be able to tell tell you if you may have the talent to progress through, play well and train in the 18s and 23s. But a player might still make a mistake and the opposition may score. That doesn't mean a player isn't ready. The same thing happens to senior pros. They make mistakes every day. You've got to be ready when the chances come. A lot of the time you have to wait for an injury. I have the utmost confidence in my ability, but realistically, it wasn't necessarily the culture at Palace in brackets to bring through players. You can't blame anyone. That's just the culture of the Premier League. Managers need to have more trust in young players, which is true, people. He might not have made it at Gladbach, but where would he be if he didn't, people? I like this sort of stuff because although he didn't make it at Gladbach, and obviously this was at a time when he just signed for Gladbach, he's developed as a player, he's tested himself in a new country, he's got a new experience, and he seized his future, people. He didn't, he, him not making it at Palace or him not getting to where he wanted to be as a professional footballer isn't down to the club isn't down to him running down deals, isn't down to empty promises. He sees this future for himself. And to be honest, living in Germany has probably improved him in more ways than we can comprehend, people. You look at him, you look at Dali Colling, Danny Colling, I cannot say his name, but he's formerly of Stuttgart, now 21 years of age at Colchester. He packed up his bags very early and went to Germany. And he specifically referenced the education he could get on top of his football training there, people. Um, and obviously, he's learned a lot there tactically and all the typical stuff. Um, so people might people have to stop looking at it as you go there and you become a Tony Adams or, or a Gerard and that you're forever playing for that team and things like that. Um, you go you go to these clubs first and foremost for a new opportunity, for a new pathway and to learn new things. And they have people. These things will stay with them. People look at Chris Willock, he left Arsenal, he didn't play at Benfica and now he's back in England at West Brom. People will say his loan to Benfica, I mean his move to Benfica is a failure, which you don't know that. Yeah, he might not have played for the first team, but the skills he's learned, he's technically played for Benfica B against tougher opposition. You don't know that what he's learned there and the experiences and how much that what he could potentially have learned ta- technically and tactically 
what that could put for him in good stead. And to be honest, who says he's not going to make it at Benfica or another Portuguese club? And to be honest, it just expands his footballing horizons, people. You've got him, you've got Marcus McGain, who went to Barcelona. People say, why are you going to Barca? But he's bound to have learned a lot. You've got Rio Griffiths, who's left and went to Lyon, but he's not playing straight away. There's You've got... Um, um, what's it? You've got um, another another Spurs lad that went to Gladbach, ironically as well. You've got Denzel Baidu, formerly of Manchester City. He went to Dortmund. It didn't happen for him. Um, there's a couple German players. I think, to be honest, people, there are some where it just doesn't work out. But the players I've listed in, specifically Chris Willock and, and Mandela, these are different experiences, people, and they're bound to have learned a lot. So I do think it is quite simple to just simply look at players and say, oh, they've gone abroad and it's not happened for them. Um, that's that's the one point i think it's too simple to do that because it's never a failure but on the other hand the other point i'm trying to make is it just doesn't happen for everybody like it just because you're going to move abroad doesn't mean you're going to bang and there's many players that don't make it and i think i think if you go and look at them people a lot of fans would be a bit more i think it's quite lazy to just assume going abroad equals you're going to have a career do you get it people i just think i just think that's that that that's me anyways people um I, I do like what I am seeing from the Spurs lads though, because from a Spurs perspective, they're losing a lot of potential. But from their their perspective, I like to see it, man. I mean, you see, you look at Noni Maduke, who went to PSV. I can never say his name. There's a couple of other players. It's a good thing Spurs got Janil Bennett. Um, to be honest with you, people. Um, so yeah. Um, moving on to the juicier stuff now. Arsenal versus Liverpool happened yesterday, people, and it was a um, Arsenal versus Liverpool. Arsenal versus Spurs happened yesterday. And it's a weird game. Finished 2-2. Both sets of fans prior to the game and after the game probably would have taken a point because of either between teams form, question marks over the teams or what happened in-game. Both potentially feel they could have taken more. Like from a Spurs perspective, considering Arsenal was on top of them for large periods, they can walk away with a, with a point. And considering how the game went, they can walk away with a point. But at the end of the day, Individual errors led them to winning two nil, and any other team that w- that wins two nil in a, winning two nil in a big game and doesn't walk away with the three points, there's question marks. So it, that is question marks. On the other hand, of course, because of how they were playing and all the noise surrounding the team, and just in general, it's a good point. From an Arsenal perspective, we probably had enough to score three goals and should have scored three goals, um, and we probably would have been kicking our teeth. We we didn't win that game because we all, we was all over the Spurs in my opinion from start to finish. Um, individual errors, people, and individual errors again and again, and these are the things that are gonna that, that are gonna test us. So that's why both teams can be cool with a point. Back to an Arsenal perspective now, and we can keep sitting here and saying if but this didn't happen and but this happened, this would have happened. We can do the ifs and buts thing, but we can only deal with the facts. Incredible fight back from me, in my opinion, from our players to get back in that game. Uh, apart from the players, well, just Xhaka, who made individual errors, really, because Leno recovered. I'm proud of the players. I'm proud of them because I've seen our players curl into a ball at 2-0 down, whether we deserve to be 2-0 down or not, and get back in the game. But by that same logic, individual errors, we we find ourselves sitting here saying we've played well in certain games, but individual errors have shot us in the foot. David Luiz, I think David Luiz put last week behind him and that's all you can do in football. But if you look at David Luiz, two silly mistakes against Liverpool made us lose, lose um, concede two more goals than we needed to. Um, and we can say if that didn't happen, it would have been a different game. The facts are he did that. Not to name drop him, just to highlight a point, people. Obviously, last night um, when we played Spurs, um, we can only deal with the facts. We can only deal with the fact Socrates, Xhaka, um, who, who both had a point to play, part to play, sorry, in the first goal. Obviously, Leno, there's no way around it. It's a weak tap and Ericsson won't score an easier goal in a big game. Um, there's, things, there, there, there's things like that. And obviously, Xhaka for the penalty, don't know what he's doing. Don't know if I'm going to try and dissect that, but it's just poor decision making. Um, Emery can't factor for that. The fans can't factor for that. Right, um, team team play, Teammates can't factor for that. Um Two players in their mid twenties. In fact, let's not harp on about Leno because he recovered. But just to point the point of the picture, Leno and Xhaka, mid twenties, been captain capped by their countries. You should be able to focus for large periods in that game. Leno, it happens. It was poor. You should do better. But he recovered from it. Xhaka recovered as well. But I just 
Xhaka's the captain. Xhaka's played enough times to know what you're doing right and wrong. I don't know why he's sliding in there and it gave us a mountain to climb. Yes, if these things didn't happen, potentially we walk away with three points, but they keep happening at Arsenal and in terms of individual errors and the inability of players to concentrate for large periods. I mean, these are two of the most experienced players on the field yesterday. I'm trying to specifically focus on Xhaka. People thought Gwendozi was going to be the one to make a mistake and Gwendozi was the one being questioned. But Gwendozi played a, a, amazing for me. Gwendozi really put a shift in in that game. Definitely man of the match, to be fair with you. Um, so these individual errors, they keep happening and players have to be able to concentrate for large periods because, yes, it's great that we fought back and a point against Spurs isn't, 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 isn't the worst. But the longer that sort of thing goes on, the more question marks we have to ask. Um, Really and truly. But I think Emre set up the team well. I think many people question him in big games, myself included, how he sets up teams and things like that. I think he set us up well, to be fair. I think he unleashed the front three. Potentially, he could have started to buy us and things like that. But I get why he went with a more... It wasn't a flat midfield three, but a more sort of flattish midfield three because we did look a bit top-heavy and there was going to be a lot of ground to cover. You slap a Ozil or Mkhitaryan in there or someone that can do the creative things about us will run around. But they have to be in positions that they, that they can harm the opposition. So potentially it could have been, apologies people, it could have been a different sort of game. But we live to fight another day, man. I don't know who we have next, but we live to fight another day. I know we got United at the end of the month. Um, quick nudge on some other teams. Man United obviously dropped points against Southampton, which I can't understand. I don't know what's going on at United, man. I feel United... It's a bit of a watershed moment, man. I think certain players are hiding. I just, I just, I think United had a, a couple of opportunities to kill the game off, and they didn't. And I think Southampton just did quite well to get back in that game. And it was a, did I swear they scored from a header, people. It was a good header to score. It was a poor goal for Manchester United to concede. Um, Pogba will get scapegoated, but I didn't think Pogba had the best of games. To be fair with you, I don't think Rashford had the best of games. And it's just poor form from United, and the thing is, it's still early in the window, in the in the window, in the in the Premier League, so things can happen. But obviously, after losing to Palace last week, dropping more points against Southampton this week, it does kind of kill morale for the fans in the race for the top four. Chelsea dropping more points. I mean, Chelsea's issues are defensively because they're scoring goals. They can put together good moves. Yes, they haven't been able to invest in certain areas, but they haven't got the worst of squads. I've just feel they've got to work on how to defend because they they're scoring they're letting cheap goals happen. I mean, they made the game against Norwich harder work than it had to be. They made the game against United harder work than it had to be. I mean, they were good going forward, but they were open up on the counter. Um Sheffield United managed to score two goals and it is looking like in the second half when Chelsea do tire, you will have opportunities. I do think they've got to improve defensively. Um I do think Lampard's going to go through this tough period because it's going to be a tough season for all three clubs in Chelsea, United and Arsenal in the race to top four. But I do think Lampard's got to look to improve them defensively because going forward, they look all right defensively. You can't, as an Arsenal fan, I know for a fact, you can't walk around conceding, apologies, you can't walk around conceding all these goals, people. Or it's going gonna, it's gonna to be peak for you. I mean... Is there a need to speak about Manchester City and Liverpool? You saw what Liverpool did and you saw how Vex Mane looked at Salah and now Vex... I don't know if it was Vex because Salah didn't pass to him or subbed or, or the fact that he got subbed, but he looks livid. Manchester City just keep battering teams. So is there really any need to speak about them two? Um, really and truly. Um, let me go on Twitter because I asked for podcast topics and you guys have come with some, so we might as well speak about some. Someone said, what is VAR actually bringing to the game? Several key decisions were poor today and yet no VAR checks were taken apart from the Aubameyang goal. Um, I do, my guy, think there's a lot of teething problems in relation to VAR. I think, I think they've actually got to look at it. Again, it's not going to be like tennis or cricket, but they've got to make it like it's either a thing where whatever the computer says, we follow it or... Or it's a thing, it's either that or it's a thing, the ref makes the decisions, but obvious errors and whatnot, someone tells him in his earpiece, yo, listen, this is a penalty or this happened or whatever, um, or, or or something like that, because it's still down to, or you just let the ref ref the game and use it as his discretion, because I think there's still too many grey areas, nobody knows what is happening, it's still too delayed with the timing, obviously as an Arsenal fan, it sucked seeing our goal chalked off, but at the end of the day, people were outside yesterday. But I do think it's still down to human interpretation because they're just people in a box. 
Um, there's still people in a box somewhere t t talking about the decisions. And it's still down to one, how they interpret it. So there's still human error. And two, I didn't believe it at first, but Merson, Paul Merson made a good comment. He's like, a lot of these refs are friends. Would they necessarily want to drop their ref in it if they've made an error and whatnot? And there's pressure in these sort of environments. So I do think they've got to revamp it. I must admit, I was like that. I did think it would kill the beautiful game and kill everything. And it's still, I still believe that to a degree. Um, in fact, I don't believe that. I think it can be good, people, because at the end of the day, right decisions are right decisions. I don't agree when it's being used for things like a couple of seasons, well, a couple of games ago. Sorry, Raheem Sterling, literally his his earlobe is offside. Things like that is the game gone mad, isn't it? But incidences like penalties and all these things, if it can be used for the better, it can be used for the better, people. Um, so I don't really, I don't really mind that. Um. So um, in regards to diving and, and retrospective punishment or lack of in the game, which somebody's asked me, um, I do think there needs to be more of a deterrent for, for diving. But there's too many grey areas with diving because if you technically get contact, did he dive? You look at Harry Kane yesterday, I think he's playing for a penalty there. I do think he's diving, but by the same logic, is he diving or is he searching for contact and going down easily? Which ironically is diving, but there's gamesmanship and then there's diving. I do think... There's got to be something done in regards to diving and getting and, and getting punished for it. But people already get yellow cards and whatnot. So what more can we really do about it, man? Because there's still a lot of grey areas. Um, in regards to Arsenal's front three, though, I can't lie. As happy as I was to see all three start yesterday, people, I can see why Emre might not start, them, start all three every week. And uh, you lot know me. I want all three to start every week, but it's not a force. They've all got different squads and um, different strengths which can complement the squad. Some games, it's Aubameyang and Lacazette need to play Pepe on the bench. Some game, games, Pepe and Lacazette. Some games, Lacazette and, and Aubameyang. Some games, Pepe and Aubameyang. You get it. Obviously, you want to see all three unleashed. And I think they did well yesterday. But I can't lie. Somebody's always going to miss out getting into in a, into effective areas because Lacazette, you know, his game is to drop deep, be a physical handful and do the technical base stuff. And he was doing that yesterday. Pepe wants to come inside at times, but he wants to take people on. Aubameyang did a shift for us on the left-hand side and when he went to the right. And I think he played quite well. But as a defender, if Aubameyang, someone that scored 22 league goals last season, is in wide areas crossing the ball, you're gonna you're not going to mind because if he's crossing the ball, he's on the end of it. Now, Arsenal still have threats and whatnot, but the one time Aubameyang was in the area, more or less, you saw Gwendozi pick out a lovely ball and he scored. Um... So it does feel like somebody always misses out in the key areas, people. Somebody's always got to hold it up for the team, do you get it? So right, there might be, that might be the next challenge for Emre. Can he integrate them all? Because looking at Liverpool with Firmino, Salah and Mane, they managed to do it, people. They, they managed to do it. Obviously, it's a bit different because none of them players are out-and-out -out strikers and we have two out-and-out -out strikers in our front three. Well, specifically Firmino. And Salah, they're very fluid. Um, Firmino obviously drops deep and he's, he can play through the middle, but he's essentially not a striker. He, he works for the team. We've got two strikers and a winger. So it'll be interesting to see, man. Obviously, you'd Lacazette's not the oldest. I'd, apologies about that, people. Um, like I somehow, well, I used to find with my with my iPhone and, and I found with my camera and now I found with my laptop. When you're doing these sort of content things, you've actually got to make sure you've got enough memory. I should do the whole thing again, but I think I had some good content. So I'm going to mix the two together. Um, but moving on, people, I was mentioning Xhaka. Now, for me, when you look at Xhaka, I don't think Xhaka is a bad player, people. I think he makes bad decisions. I think he's prone to moments of head loss. I don't think he's mobile enough to consistently play. Um so I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's. I see why Emre plays him. I think he's got qualities on the ball at times. Um, but I do think he, I'm not gonna lie. I would have him in my squad, but I do think he's a liability. People, the mistake he made, obviously, um, against against Spurs, will he will be scapegoated. And again, Leno made a mistake as well. And I'm even not focusing on that myself. But he is a liability. He's prone to moments like that. And if that's your captain, and if that's he's an individual that is gonna play week in week out. It does leave you for concern and it does lead you to the point where you might even look past the fact that Xhaka's playing and you might start questioning Emre for the sake of playing him because I know Xhaka's got experience in some of these individuals and different strength, but considering how Gwendozi's played, considering how Torreira is, who didn't have the best games admittedly against Spurs, um, considering Joe Willock's form, 
these are these should be individuals ahead of him in the pecking order. But by default, Xhaka is gonna play week in, week out. Now I like Xhaka's mentality and whatnot, but he needs to he needs to fix up with these moments, man. Because on top of his moments of individual errors, in which we can find many, his lack of mobility, his lack of just defensive now really annoys me. And at a push, what sort of midfielder is he? I'd describe him as a deep line playmaker, someone who at Arsenal tries to get box to box and whatnot. But what midfielder is he? Just based on if someone didn't understand football and you were trying to tell him, talk to him about someone, talk to someone about him. What formation? What position is he? Sorry, like what does he actually offer the Arsenal team? Again, I've just recognised what he offered, but what does he offer? And it's serious question marks, people, because um. I don't think there's anything you can do to cover his flaws on the football field. I don't think his pros are outweighed by um his pros outweigh the cons of having him in the lineup. You could maybe potentially if we've had a more if we were more switched on as a team, could it could defend better, had a more dynamic midfield, we could kinda hide Jacker's shortcomings. But I don't I feel the way Arsenal play, you will see gaps. We play with a high line, we play good attacking movements. Players will midfield will get caught, someone will get caught alone, do you get it? I don't feel our pivots working the best, to be fair with you. Um, I feel I have to hail up Maitland Niles as well, people, because if Maitland Niles had a bad game against Spurs, people would be quick to highlight. I think he had a good game at fullback. I don't think he's terrible at fullback. I just don't think he is a right back, and I feel he will show clearly at times that he's not a right back. But I think he did well against Son last um, last night, man. Um, Maitland Niles did well. You're also thinking, what's Maitland Niles got to do to get a chance in midfield? Does Emre not see him as a central midfielder because he hasn't got a chance, especially because of how Xhaka is? Um, Xhaka will probably start next week or whenever we're next in action, but I do think we're going to have to look at Xhaka because I do think individual errors, they need to... Obviously, well, that's no, not even that I do think, it's a fact. Individual errors do need to be cut out of this Arsenal team in terms of the mistakes we, we are making in these games. But by the same, But by the same token... But by the same, but by the same token, it's how we start games, and certain individuals aren't necessarily starting games in the best of form. For me, probably Guendouzi, Torreira, and probably Sobios in the next game in the midfield. To be honest, that's a dynamic midfield three. Everybody's got different strength. Xhaka, not Xhaka, Torreira sweeping up the ball. Guendouzi doing up box to box. Sobios doing a bit of both as well. By that same logic, would be mine. Um, so we'll see. Spare a thought for Emil Smith-Rowe. Again, still don't know the diagnosis, but he was injured against Derby. And he just when he started getting back fit, he's got another kick in the teeth, which probably prevents him going out on loan. And he has had a rotten time with injuries. He's still young, but you have to wonder how much damage injuries have done in delaying his progress. Because if he was fit and healthy... He might have been out, He might have went out on loan this 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 early on in preseason and got a couple of games in in a league somewhere under his belt. Last season he was obviously on loan at Leipzig and he might have played significantly if he was given if his is if his body gave him the opportunity. People, to be fair with you, um, so it's 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 quite sad. Um, to be fair with you, going back to our midfield, I think we need to find. I think we need another. Well, for me, I I wanted another box to box midfield. I believe a couple of positions we need to look at. If Sabas isn't going to stay permanently, we need to look at that attacking midfield role. Someone that can be creative in the middle of the park. I believe we need a box to box midfielder as well, and a right back to fight with Bellerin long term. Um, why I think we need a box-to-box midfielder is because, I mean, are you watching us, people? Again, not to bring on about Jacko, but he's the best example. I don't think he's dynamic enough. I think a midfield free of a box-to-box midfield man like Sangre of Toulouse, someone who can win the ball back but isn't necessarily defensive-minded, together with Torreira in a midfield free with an attacking mid or with a Gwendozi, we could have something great there. Do you get what I'm saying, people? I'm sure you lot get at what I'm getting at with that. I think that's what's missing because when Xhaka plays in a pivot, it's almost like Torreira's having to work harder because of his lack of mobility. At times, Xhaka's lack of mobility and Gwendozi's youthful exuberance and going up the field and to a degree being a bit naive leaves gaps in the middle, people. And you probably saw that best highlighted Liverpool away last season um, and whatnot. Um, so it is a bit crazy, man. It is. I do think the next challenge for Emre is clearly to find balance within the team and find a way of making sure everybody can play and marrying the defensive aspects with the offensive aspects. Um, but it is what it is. I think many people have accused Emre, myself included, of thinking about the opposition a bit too much and catering to them. But I feel yesterday 
there's no case of that, people. Nobody can sit here and say that he did he did that because I think he, he's, at the end of the day, he started the midfield free. I mean, the attacking free. Of course, he could have went with a creative player in the midfield to supplement these two, but I get why he wouldn't. Like you saw, Mkhitaryan and, and, and Ceballos, they came, creative players, they came off the bench. I wouldn't have gone with Mick. I would have probably brought on Nelson because Nelson is more likely to directly run at Davison Sanchez. You saw Davison Sanchez having a kind of tough time in that game and maybe early on, I mean, late on, playing at right back in a foreign position for him. Someone like Nelson, who can he doesn't always do it, but take his man down the line. That could either present a goal-scoring opportunity or because of the game, that could end up in Davison Sanchez pulling his man down and, and getting sent off or whatever and, thing, and, things, and, and things like that, people, do you get it? Um, so I, I don't I don't disagree with Emre's midfield because he does have to find balance. He can't be a bit attacking heavy, and there was going to be a lot of running for the midfield to do people really and truly. Um, um, so yeah, potentially in regards to January, if we can get it for me, anyways, I know Kronke said we're going to look at players in January. Sanye as well has said that. Um, so I hope we've got a box to box midfielder somewhere on the lineup, man, because. I do think there's a gap for that, man, because if we just look at actual central midfield players, we'll add Ceballos into it because he can play at 8 and a 10. Joel Willett's come through the academy and been doing his thing this season. Um, who else have we got? Um, Xhaka, so we've got Ceballos, Joel Willett, Xhaka, Lucas Torreira. Um, I'm missing something. That's about it, people. Maitland-Niles can play there, but there's about four four midfielders. I'm definitely missing someone else out. Um, Gwendozi, if I haven't said Gwendozi. So what, Gwendozi, Torreira, Xhaka, Joe Willock. Well, I've said Gwendozi. So there's about four, four or five. I'm missing someone else out, people. I do think there's a gap for a midfielder. We've got to be careful because Emil Smith-Rowe is going to develop into a central midfielder long term. Um, in fact, regardless, well, we do have to be careful in terms of spaces, but I do think there's a space in midfield, whether that could be Maitland-Niles given a chance there to play in that role because he can't have done any worse than Xhaka really and truly. Um, who knows? I do think Xhaka, one thing that goes for Xhaka is that he's got different strengths to the others. I do must admit the strengths I see him is that someone that tries to start the move after the first phase of play with with the, the goalkeeper and the centre-halves playing out from the back like Emre likes. The next move is obviously to, to contribute something in midfield and Xhaka has a willingness to receive the ball off the midfield, centre-half, sorry, and distribute in midfield. Must admit that... That's the only strength I see as Xhaka starting, and I don't see why Torreira can't do that, why Gondolzi can't do that, why even Joel Willett can't do that. I do think he's overstated. Like I, I've I've defended Xhaka for a long time now, people, but he can't be defended. Like he's a good squad player, but he is a liability if he's gonna be a regular player in the team. And it's gonna get to the point we're gonna stop questioning just what Xhaka is doing and the brainless decisions and look at Emery for starting him. Now, Xhaka, I don't want Xhaka to get scapegoated because he is scapegoated a lot of the time and he has had good games. And like I said, I don't think he's a bad player. I just think time and time again, he makes poor decisions. Games like that, Emre's working all week on tactics. He can't factor in these individual errors and they keep happening and they're harming us in games now because I think the set, I don't necessarily agree with how we set up against Liverpool, but there was a clear tactical sort of thing behind it and that you could tell the boys were working on something all week sort of thing um people and we're coming with a plan obviously two individual mistakes from david louise kind of put us out of that game but he's not alone i'm just highlighting the point yesterday individual errors made it 2-2 could it have been could we have won 2-0 do you get it people could we have won more we can't deal with the ifs and buts we can speak about them but the facts are we dropped points it's good to walk away against spurs with a point live to fight another day and things like that but it is what it is in, 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 simple, in simple reasons, people, because at the end of the day, if we miss out on top four, we're not going to sit here and say, oh, we got a point against Spurs in, 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 in September, are we, people? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be silly, don't you think? Um, so, yeah, from a Spurs perspective, man, they missed Endombele, in my opinion, because Winks is decent, but he's got, he ain't got that pass in his, in his body. Um, Sissoko's strengths are different. He works for the team, but he's unable to do that. Lemayna can do it, but I think Lemayna had a good game yesterday. But for different reasons, he's a he's a dirty player. He's doing them little cynical fouls, breaking up team team play, wasting time. I think Lemayna played quite well for Spurs, and nobody sees them sort of dark hearts in the game when it goes on. I think someone like Lemayna is needed, and I think well, it should come out with this podcast with my Spurs supporting friend, someone whose opinion I rate quite highly. 
Um, I, we were speaking about it before the game. I said, you, Lemayne has got to be one of the first names on the team sheet. He might not be glamorous. People might not see what he does, but he definitely does a lot. And as an Arsenal fan, I've seen what he, I've seen what he offers, sort of thing. Um, I've, I've seen, I've seen what, I've seen what he brings to the table, man. And for Jacques, if Jacques is going to be the captain, he's got to learn. He's got to learn to be to be switched on for large periods of the game, really and truly. Or it's just it's just simply going to keep happening, people, really and truly. And there's not much we can we can do to to avoid that. Um. So yeah, in regards to Eddie and Ketia, it's completely irrelevant. But I see Eddie and Ketia come off the bench for Leeds, and he had a good chance to score, but he blazed blazed it over the bar. Um. He funded it over the bar. There wasn't much he could do. There wasn't much he could do with with that. Um, I've also seen well, it's irrelevant, but Christian Bielik lost three 0 to Brentford, and he played quite well. Um, Marcus, former Arsenal player Marcus McGain is allegedly joining Telstar on loan, and that's an interesting one because he will obviously link up with his best, his his good friend, um, Charlie Gilmore. He's obviously. Um, he's obviously at Telestar on loan from Norwich and also Andres Jonko who's at the club as well so it's a mini Arsenal reunion um, obviously Marcus needs to go and get games he's 20-21 now he played for Barcelona B in Arsenal it's time for him to go and test himself in a different environment shout out to young midfielder Jude Bellingham I really love him as a player at Birmingham um, he obviously scored his first senior goal well his first league goal I believe for um for for Birmingham against Stoke in their victory it wasn't a glamorous finish but who cares as a 16 year old that's what we all dream for and if he remain he is going to remain grounded because he strikes me as a remain a grounded individual and he's got a good family around him um he could have a great future man I'd no disrespect to Birmingham it's in his best interest for me for him to stay there be a bit like Deli Ali at, at MK Dons learn your education learn your craft most importantly get games and whatnot and just stay there and develop um, I think he he will benefit from a thing like that, but not before long. Teams will be on him, people. I'm be surprised if Arsenal ain't bidded for him and all these other teams like because he's gonna be a star, people. And Birmingham have developed quite a few players. Obviously, you see Redmond, Butland went on to have a decent career. There's other individuals as well, people. Birmingham have a good under good academy, and it's not just him, is it? Odin Bailey, I like the look of him. I believe he's 19 years of age, plays for Birmingham, not quite in the first team setup to the extent Jude is, but I like him. People, um, it's completely irrelevant. But Mavididi, had, well, I didn't report it a couple of days ago, has joined French side Dijon on on lo on loan with an option to buy from Juventus. He's taken up the number nine shirt, and to be honest, he's had he's played in Serie C for Juventus and trained with Cristiano Ronaldo in the first team. Played at Arsenal and whatnot. He's had a loan, couple loan experiences of mixed success. Better at Charlton, not quite the great lot, greatest of loan spells at Preston. And now he's gone to the French Liga at a team that believes in him because he's got the number nine shirt. Obviously, I do believe he's of Congolese descent, so he is a French speaker. So that's going to obviously help him. And obviously, just in terms of a young footballer, he's had a good career, man. He's 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 played for a top team in England. He's played for an even bigger team in Italy, and now he's playing in the French division. So he's had a diverse career. People staying with France, staying with um, France, and PSG's Leonardo um, Paredes, a player who I wanted at Arsenal. I didn't understand why he went to firstly Zenit St Petersburg and now PSG. Apparently, he's had a loan move to Betis blocked. Potentially, maybe that's someone we look at to get on the cheap in January or on loan in January. But he has kind of fallen from grace, really, man. And it's if he's getting on loan, trying to get a loan from PSV because he's not playing, it just stinks of bad decisions, people. Um, allegedly, Joe Willock's been name-checked by Gareth Southgate. Obviously, it doesn't mean he's going to be called up anytime soon but he's got an eye on him and I think one thing about Joe he continues to surprise people like I knew he was a good player but the way he's taken to the academy I mean to the first team set up from the academy is quite good to be fair with you people um the players he's name dropped he said at those big clubs every game is a pressure situation those clubs have good players coming through the academy and circumstances have allowed for opportunities it's another example of when these guys go in as Liverpool have done with Trent Arnold, as Chelsea have done with, with Mason Mount, and and there's also Joe Willock at Arsenal. It's great that they get into the first team because if we're going to be able to involve them with us, they need to play more and learn the game and, experience, and, and to experience performing under pressure, which is true, people. I mean, he's a long way from a cool-up, but it, might, it must be a good vote of confidence for Joe Willock to, while he's not just talking about you, he's using you as an example, um... 
obviously to hear that people are watching and whatnot. And like I said, he's had a good rise. I think he was unlucky to be dropped for the first Spurs game, but at the end of the day, he's got to be he's got to be professional about it and whatnot. Um, but it's nice that he's developing. His manager believes in him. The play, the fans are believing in him. He's believing in himself, and the national team boss is looking at him because there's gonna be the tough periods are gonna come. Right now, Joe Willock is having a great time, but obviously, there's gonna be tough periods, people. There's gonna be times where he's in poor form. Times where he questioned where people are questioning questioning him, and he questions himself. That's what being a, a footballer is. This is the trials and tribulations a young footballer goes through. Now, Joe Willock is very confident, so I don't feel I feel he'll get out the other side of that. But it is what it is. Um. Keeping up with Arsenal and Hoss Farmy allegedly has been praised as the driving force behind the purchase of Saliba. One close source to the deal, source close to the deal said Farmy did everything on the transfer from the negotiating the players' terms with his representative to agreeing a payment structure with the French club. Those who have dealt with Farmy describe him as a sharp and ultra-competent individual. Farmy is the primary point of contact for agents looking to move their player away from the club or to gauge whether the player, where the player stands in the pecking order. So it's nice to see that Raul Sanya and Edu are doing their jobs, but the contract man behind everything, um, behind everything is doing his job as well, people. It's lovely to see that, really and truly. Um, and we need individuals that are cutthroat, that are fast, that are decisive, that are cold, calm and calculated. And he seems to be that. And if we can get these people that on board and they can get moves done, it helps us, people. Also heard that... Um, Uno Emre didn't want Guendouzi people. I'm not Guendouzi. He didn't want Torreira. He had concerns over his height and he went for Nzonze. So maybe that's why he's the head coach and not a manager. And maybe that's why we've got external recruitment people. I, that's not any relevance. I just forgot to mention that. Um, David Luiz has been speaking to French media about Guendouzi and he said he's a youngster with a lot of talent. He's young, but he's a great player. He's going to do great things, not just for Arsenal or France, but for the world. Now, I like the way David Luiz gasses up everything in regards to Arsenal. And it's lovely to see that, ironically, his younger brother, as we refer them to, um, refer him to, is doing quite well. And I, 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 think, I, I think, first and foremost, Gondolzi can be a good player for Arsenal and France if he develops. But part of me feels he can be a super player, people. I'm a big fan of Gondolzi. I think if he, to reach the level I think he can, you've got to really want it as a footballer. But I think, first, at bare minimum, he can be a good player for Arsenal and potentially France caps. Other than that, I think he can go on to bigger things. I think he can play, he can develop to play on for the biggest clubs in this world um, if they come from and if he develops. I don't feel, I feel him and Terrell, if they develop to the scale I believe they can, then they won't be at Arsenal long, for long. I feel Guendouzi's got a lot of rough edges to, to stamp out and soldier out of his game, but he could be a good player, people. One thing I like about him, and I, I want to always stay in his game, is bravery. For all his youthful exuberance and mistakes, he's a brave individual. He is very brave, people. He's a young man. He's just, obviously, we need to stop saying he's just come from France because he's been here for two years now. But considering he's played more times for Arsenal than France, um, than he did in France, I like his attitude. He held his own against against Spurs, and he and he's never scared. Of course, he can improve defensively for me. Of course, he can be this um di um disappointing and frustrating. But I really like Wendell's, and he had a good game, man. Um, apparently. Roma have tried to get Mkhitaryan on loan from Arsenal ahead of the deadline day. However, his wages of 200k a week have proved a stumbling block, which means them ones up there are not going to happen. Um, apparently, they're willing to pay 180k a week um, and will pay the remaining 20, which we should let happen. Um, apparently, if Mkhitaryan was to then make 25 appearances for Roma, there'd be an option to buy, which would be transformed into an obligation to buy and he'd sign a three-year deal. Now, that would be good for Mkhitaryan if he can go elsewhere, get a, get a, um, a three-year deal elsewhere and whatnot. His agent is Renola, so he will get his wages. There's no way he's not going to get his, his money and whatnot. Um, there's no way he's not going to get his cash, but we'll see how that one develops. Allegedly, Patrick Schmick, I cannot say his name. Someone who, uh, People used to gas him up of Roma. Apparently, he's joining Leipzig on loan, so Mkhitaryan could be the one to come into the club people apparently talks are close and we'll see how that one develops people um because Mkhitaryan you'd imagine he's not going to get too much football this season at the Emirates people um you'd imagine with the recruitment we've brought in and whatnot elsewhere ahead of deadline day today Mustafi is being linked with Juventus because of the injury 
to Chiellini. Um, they've explored a possible deal for Mustafi, but also Jerome Boateng. Now, Jerome Boateng is older than Mustafi, but for me, people, I'd go down that route or bring in someone that their scouts might have looked at before I look at Mustafi. But if they want to bring in Mustafi, I'm not going to complain, people. They need to take him. For Mustafi, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good look for the future and whatnot. Um, it's a good look for the future in that he'll be at Juventus. You could probably imagine him because he's lived in Italy before, raising his kids there. He'd obviously win trophies by default, so it'd be a good look for him for the future. But I don't feel Juventus should be shopping for him and whatnot. I don't feel he should he should be looking for him and whatnot. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, it's obviously nice that Bellerin and Kieran Turney, from an Arsenal perspective, will be back. Um, obviously, before after the international break. Um, Aubameyang spoken about Guendouzi and said it was a great pass. He looks at me and he knows I'm going to run. Emre's been defending Xhaka and he said, he, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but I, I, he more or less put the individual mistakes down to passion and whatnot and thinking with their their hearts rather than their brain. Um, but the short one is Emre on Xhaka said, in 90 minutes, I'm very proud of his work. Some mistakes we can have. I want to use this to progress, improve and learn. Obviously, he's not going to hang out Xhaka, his captain, and someone he clearly loves out to dry, and I don't think he should. Um, but I do think privately, Emre will be having words with that people. Um, so all in all, I'm proud of Arsenal, how we how we came back from two goals down, because in other, in other circumstances, Arsenal lose that 2-1, and we talk about the chances we had. Um, Spurs did well to get a point. United and Inquest probably is going down in regards to why they're dropping points. But it is what it is, man. We can only move forward regardless of whatever club you support. All I'm going to say, though, is people, first and foremost, thank you for watching and rocking with my content each and every time. Apologies about it obviously cutting off. I've learned my lesson now. And obviously, that's what you can do is learn from your mistakes. I didn't know my memory on my laptop was going to be full. So I apologize for that. Um, on that note, though, people, DG, thank you for watching and rocking. We've spoken about a lot here. We've spoken about Monaco racism young players liverpool spurs city we've touched on arsenal as well so thank you for watching and rocking and i hope i've given you lots of decent content on that note however people dg i'm out stay safe stay safe stay blessed make sure you follow all my social medias make sure you um hit up youtube for my other content i'm out people deluded i'm back again now arsenal have drawn 2-2 with spurs I have a lot of friends of diverse football clubs and whatnot, and one of my good friends that I'm with nine times out of ten supports Spurs. So, yeah, I'm with him. We've just finished football, and that, as you can see, it's a bit of a randomness. I'll probably put this into my podcast. But, um, yeah, man, introduce yourself and that. Yeah, I'm just a Spurs fan. Yeah, he's just a Spurs fan. Now, he's not with the YouTube stuff. We don't care for the YouTube stuff, but he's a Spurs fan, and that's what I make content for. Arsenal fans, fans in football in general and whatnot, and obviously we have banner, and I banner him about the lack of trophies his club's won and that, but at the base of it, we love football. So, I guess I'll kick it off by asking, what do you think of, the, what do you think of a point, first and foremost? I'll ask you that before you answer, is that both teams would have liked to have got three points. I mean, your form's been iffy, we lost to Liverpool. But if you offer both fans three point, a point sorry, before the game, they would have taken it. And yeah, both teams probably, both sets of fans probably feel that a point's good, but it's like three points, could, both teams probably could have got three points. So how do you feel? Uh, well, yeah, exactly what you said. Like before the game, I would have taken a point. I said before it would have been like a, a score draw, mm. but yeah. like after after seeing our first half performance, um, just before we conceded the goal, I would have not definitely not taken a draw. We should have we should have been winning that game from 40 minutes. We we, we was we wasn't on top. Arsenal was playing better than us, but there was more yeah, to we, kind we of was, build in it. We was playing that we, we was playing on the counter. Yeah, you definitely looked good on the counter. We, we, we looked defensively, not strong, but we looked sturdy. Like we wasn't going to concede. Mm. We hadn't conceded much goals recently. Mm. But yeah, but as soon as we conceded that goal and the crowd got on top of Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal got back into the game and Especially, as you see, yeah. yeah, we were just we collapsed and caved in. All right. So for me personally, when I look at Spurs, I feel that game, I felt you, you you kind of troubled us from a lot of sides, but I'd probably say probably Son, Son in the first half, Son's side is especially on the counter attack. So what would you probably say in that? Because obviously yeah, you're Son, looking at it from Son the different was our main threat. He hasn't been threatening. He hasn't been really seen his form like he had last year this mm. season. But today we saw glimpses of it. He got the penalty. Mm. He was um, he was doing he was making good runs off the ball. Just doing he his thing. Lamella was Lamella was working hard as well. Lamella did well. 
See, we spoke about Lamena before that, man. I told you, it's a game for Lamena. Yeah. He's, he's, he was doing little nasty things off the ball. Who do you think was the worst player from a Spurs perspective, apart from probably Davison Sanchez? Uh, to be fair, you might, people might not agree with me, but Kane, Kane is... This is what I like you, man. You want to be seen, like... His hold-up play, his movement is not there. He's not trying to get beyond the, the defenders. Yeah, he's in a bit of a rut at the moment. Even though he's scoring goals and that, he just he's not moving the same. Is it a yeah. bit of fatigue? Who knows, man? Obviously, he rates came for those that might have misinterpreted him, but based on that game, excluding yeah. the goal and probably hitting the post, he's yeah, not really he, happy. He with performed. Kane. He performed the weakest out of the out of the players. The key that, ones, isn't that it? Could have could have stepped up I think I mean Ericsson looked good considering his future has been up in yeah. air and all of these sort of things yeah. he looked up he looked up for it yeah so Ericsson did look up for it um, what else was there um, um, Davison Sanchez of course he had a, he had a yeah, terrible game did you think it was going to be like first 10 minutes because I'd say if I look at the whole game as a whole, I'd say the first 10 minutes for me was probably where I felt we could have built from an Arsenal perspective got a few goals and whatnot. because yeah. I would have thought it would have been I would say it was a tight game but as an Arsenal fan, I wouldn't say it's the, like been the like like the recent derbies between us. I felt quite confident going into the game, and although yeah. we didn't win, there was an air of confidence because it's that, like that's why I was happy. For, mm. like, that's why I thought we could go on to win the game because you started off well, and then we quieted your crowd down. Yeah, you weathered the, the storm sort we, of thing. Yeah, we, that, exactly. And I thought we we could go on and build from that. And as after we got the second goal, I thought, yeah, this yeah this is the time now we can hold it out, try and get a third. But then, yeah. How did you feel at two 0 Like two goals in, like two, actually at two, two goals in, we just, just get to half time. That's all. That's all the aim was. Do you think you go with a clean sheet? Um, hmm? Do you think you get a clean sheet? No, not before the game. Not before the game. But as I said, as we went two 0 up, I thought we can ride it to half time. Go out there, start how we um, continued. Maybe like afterward press. We we do a counter attack again. Mm. Try and get a third goal. But yeah. I mean, personally, as an Arsenal fan, I felt. That I felt when we went 2 0 down, I thought we'd still get goals. Like, I felt we could score two goals, but I personally felt it was, it was either going to be one of them games where we get two, then you score a third and make it a sucker punch, or it's going to be a game where you won on paper. But as an Arsenal fan, I'll be sitting in and saying, but you know, it's because of individual mistakes and stuff like that. Because I think, Arsenal, from an Arsenal perspective, we did all right today. It's just obviously Leno recovered, but he made that terrible mistake, and obviously Xhaka. Well, Xhaka, Xhaka, you must probably licking your lips when you saw him make that penalty mistake um, and whatnot. Um, who would you say was Arsenal's best player? Kamaros when he came on. Kamaros, like this guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's quality, man. Nah, he's I, I quality, like but him. like, I like him. I think he's your talented wise, but he just looked like he made something out. What yeah. about Lacazette? Like, like, played well. Yeah. Just had a good game. I think Gwendozi played well. Yeah, as I, yeah, as I've been saying, Gwendozi before he looked a bit stale. He had. Um, yeah, and he was one player I told you in your team that needed to step up. I couldn't see why he was in your starting lineup each week. Well, he did his thing today. He showed why. He got the assist for the Abamian goal. I think Terrell Great looked pass. a bit fatigued or looked like he's carrying something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's next for Spurs then? Next for Spurs, we could build on from this. I don't, I'm not sure what our next game is after the, the window, but... Uh, after the international break, but yeah. So, like, what's the atmosphere of Spurs at the moment? Because obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm not looking at you lot, a lot in it, but today, to a degree, I won't say it's like there's uncertainty in the squad. But on top of just looking like nerves, it looked like there was like a mental thing over your players. Maybe that's been at starting that's happened at this been going on from the start of the season. Because there's always what there's there's uns- you played quite well today, but there's uncertainties over Ericsson's future. Toby Alderweire and Jan Vertonghen both played today, but they're technically out of contract. I'm not sure of other players, but by then you probably get the point. Like, what's your atmosphere? How do you feel about Spurs at the moment, based on the game so far? It is worrying because we we like we've, we've stuck with the players we've got now, mm. and like we have to see whether they actually want to play for us. Whether mm. they want to, are they going to perform their best until until the next window? Mm. Until like realistically, they're either going to be looking to get new contracts, look at other clubs and stuff. So. They have to be. They still have to try and put in a performance at Spurs, but it's what Pochettino has got to manage. He's got to manage and the rebuild sort yeah, of yeah, manage like make sure the mentality is right in the camp. I won't say the cycle at Spurs is done because I personally. He definitely, in my life, 24 years of age, is the most competitive I've seen in the Spurs side. Obviously, you've got Kane and the usual suspects. Pochettino's got you lot playing a certain sort of way. So I won't say the cycle is finished, but typically football is three, four years, you'd agree, right? In terms of having a squad and, and whatnot. Obviously, Trippier's gone. 
Rose looks like he's going to be on the way out. We've just spoken about Toby Eriksson and Jan Vertonghen. There's probably a couple other players here and there that could be out of contract. Do you feel there's a rebuild that needs to happen? Because you've signed Ndombele and you've got an option, I believe, on the Celso. But Ndombele in particular, surely you wouldn't shell out that cash considering his age if there wasn't going to be a rebuild. Because looking at your back five, possibly including Loris, you could argue even you've got a long-term look for a keeper and whatnot. I thought that was that was the plan. I think that's what Pochettino thought was, was, was the plan when we sold Trippier, when like we heard at the beginning of the transfer window that Rose was going to go... Mm. So I thought, and we got Sesson Young in, but then I don't know what he's doing at the moment. I might be injured, I'm not sure. But like, I think that was the plan to restart rebuilding the defensive line because players might be leaving and stuff. They tried to get Foyf in a few seasons ago and Sanchez. They they haven't quite proved that they they're ready. They can step up and yeah, be that guy. Sanchez, Sanchez is looking good at centre back, not at right back. But. <laughs> yeah, based on today, yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely not the right back. Not right back situation, but yeah. Um, yeah, for Foy, Foy, I think he's another person. He's I've seen, we've seen glimpses of him, but I've, he he needs to get more more time, more experience, and confidence, yeah. and all of them sort of things. Because for yeah. me, looking at it, I think Davison Sanchez. I like him. Like I was quite annoyed when you lot signed him. I I'd still am. I think he's a good centre half. I think he's one of those. At least until he shows otherwise, he needs maybe potentially a more experienced head because he's good. He looks good if there's someone to tell him what to do and and all of them sort of things. Fourth, I can't lie. I'm not really convinced. I've seen him play alright, but when I see him, he looks like a duck out of war essentially. But my opinion doesn't really mean anything. Sessignon, Sessignon, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. That's an interesting one because obviously many people will say his future is at left wing back or left back he's probably shown he can have a future as a left winger I'm keen to see how that one shapes up like do you see him becoming a left winger for the team or is it more left back sort of thing Danny Rose sort of thinking well, you don't have a it looks like we bought him to replace Rose or to, to try and battle for the left back position because mm. it looked like Rose was leaving but I've what I've seen from from assessing him throughout his career his best position was me was that Attacking midfield behind the striker, not even at the oh, like, like what he was doing at Fulham and that, yeah, when he yeah, got like Fulham, yeah, exactly. Uh, that season when they get promoted behind the striker, his forward passing is good, he's got a good, he could, he could look forward, got a good through ball, like decent on the ball, he looked more, mm. more of atta- attacking, like attacking behind the striker. But we'll see how he develops at Spurs because Spurs have got the net for developing these type of players and see where he goes. He, he could go left, left winger, he could go left back. Mm. But you'll see, like how Andrew Townsend plays. Oh yeah, but that Bellerin treatment where you, you yeah. think you're gonna be a winger, you're gonna end up it's yeah, either this or something yeah. else. Like, so how would you like following the Arsenal game? Where do you think are your like? Obviously, it's very early, but where do you think your season's gonna go? Where do you think you finish up? About how do you think you feel considering? I guess pre-season, how you've started the season, potentially what you've done in the summer and current form that we can go off. I'm just hoping that that Newcastle game was just a one-off game. Mm. That was just a one-off game because we, 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 like, not many people might not think we played it well against City. We didn't get any, like, didn't create much chances. But I thought we played a point. You had that game well. there. Yeah, you had a job well to do. Yeah. City. Yes, like today as well. Not or against yeah Arsenal. Like we, um, yeah, we played well. I thought I thought we played well. I think you lot done. Well. A, I think you lot done a job today. I think. I do think there's a couple of your players, just generally, I think your squad's lacking in a bit of confidence right now because of factors potentially off the field. That's just my speculation. But like you said, on the counter, it looked like you had a game plan. You was on the counter attack. Potentially, you'd have liked to have been a bit more in our faces and whatnot, I'm sure, than than previous years. But I definitely agree with that. From an Arsenal perspective, Froon Emery, I'd say, because I haven't really touched on it, I'd say his, it looked like he tweaked his tactics a bit. Because if you look last year, it's like, we still pressed you a lot higher, but it's like our centre-halves, last season, our strikers were pressing your centre house very high and it's almost like we said alright cool you lot can play but once you come to this area we'll press you and I think again like last year you lot kind of struggled with that um, I think Maitland-Niles did alright today I thought he would have had a tough one today I think Maitland-Niles did alright I, I think we were definitely more confident just generally more confident and that's why it's, it's excluding the individual errors, obviously with Leno, who I believe I can't really blame him today. Cause I think he recovered quite well after that stupid error. There's no way around it, but he recovered. Jacques is just brainless. I think man to a man, we did quite well. Like as an Arsenal fan, I saw a lot of comments on social media, and as you know, even the man in the group chat questioning why Gwendolzi started and whatnot. And to be fair, they can because he can frustrate. But 
I think he did. I believe in if you're going to say that much, then you need to hail a man up that much because if he didn't play well, he'd be the first one. And he was arguably our, our best player on the field, arguably our best central midfield player. I think Pepe played well. I think he end product and things will come and he needs to improve. But from an Arsenal perspective, we ain't got too many players that want to take a man on. Like you've got Son, mm. and previously you've had a couple other players. You can sit here and say them. Arsenal we ain't really got outlet. I think he gave Rose something. And I mm. think, like you saw today, our fans were gassed from the start. He gives us something to get behind. I feel Aubameyang and Lacazette, I feel it was good. Do you think all three of them can play together though? Cause I think they can like Liverpool, but it does, I kind of see why Emre might say like one of them has to come out because you saw Aubameyang on the left, Lacazette was dropping deep and Pepe was there. But it kind of looked like Aubameyang had to work with the scraps today and do it for the team. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't like it to be honest. I don't think Aubameyang's good out wide. If you're going to play Aubameyang, you have to play the middle, isn't it? Yeah, you got to find someone to fill that space. Like, I don't know why he saw the Wobi, to be honest. I don't know. I thought he'd be all right there. You have a Wobi. You got, like, battling um, um, Aubameyang and, um, like, is it about battling for the centre? For the thing. But you, see, Pepe, yeah. but you see, like, today, when we was, like, 2-0 behind, I was thinking, just go with the two up front, like, proper up front. Because I thought Aubameyang played well even out wide today, but it's like, as a Spurs defender, you want that. Like, you you, you want him out wide. You'd be yeah, over yeah, the exactly. moon with him in them areas, car. He's I not going to do yeah, anything. I thought it would be easy for Sanchez, but he's still struggling. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, to be fair, I think he, he struggled. But what I think he done well is, you know, when he's, like, this little shielding out of plays and mm. them sort of things there, I think he did quite well in that regards against Aubameyang. But he did a job for the team. Like, mm. do, do you think he could have went with anything different? Because, actually, the radio, I was listening to a radio station, I can't remember, they said Toby Alderweireld was going to be the right back. Mm. Which I thought was a bit mad, and well, I even saw Sissoko. Aurier was on the bench, so Aurier could have come on, I but, I think, he's expert, but I think he's he hasn't he hasn't played a game this season. Uh, he's coming back from injury, so he didn't want to risk someone in the North London derby. You know how Aurier, that's what, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's um, it's a red card all over. <laughs> exactly. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about that? Where's that? Surely, uh, I swear back in the days he used to fill in there. I thought he was gonna play. Honestly, when I saw that team sheet, I thought he was gonna do three at the back. Play um, Sissoko, Danny Rose, wing backs, then have um, Ericsson, Winks in the middle, then play three, then play three forwards. That's what yeah. I thought he would have done with that team sheet. And know how we used to play where we used to swap it yeah. from five to four, five to four during the game at the back. That's what I thought he was going to do, but he, I don't know, he, he he made it flat, flat four at the back. I I think you lot missed, and he, obviously Endo Miller's only been at Spurs for a sec, really. But I think you lot missed him today. Someone yeah, that yeah, can yeah, just get the ball and play the ball. Winks is boring. I don't, I don't. <laughs> he's too basic, and he's too, too. The most exciting thing he did was getting that little clash with Socrates. Yeah, the only, yeah, Winks is good with that. That's why I like him. Like North London derby, he's there for like. Yeah, it's like back in the days we used to play against them youths and clamp them, though, man. Like, I yeah. can't, I can't lie. I don't know, man. I think, I think you look. I think Spurs. Like, if I, I don't, I don't know, man. I think you lot are so close, but I just feel you lot have to rebuild again. No, in certain what areas. I was happy about today was though that um, he started the high press again. Remember, like the first, the first half an hour of the game, mm. he was pressing you. We was um, like how we how we used to do it a few couple seasons ago. We were still at White Hart Lane. We used to press teams from early, like how Liverpool have still, yeah. still gone on to do it. And he started that back again. That's what I want to see more this season. We need to be pressing high teams. The energy's there, but second half we was tired. We could, he couldn't. Yeah, last last after seventy minutes we couldn't run around. It's it. funny you say that because I felt I felt that, but about us because I was seeing you lot break at times, mm. and I was seeing players like you know when you can see a man can see the situation develop, but he's tired. I felt you had a couple chances to nick the game though. Kane mm. hit the post, and I knew Sissoko was gonna sky it when like, at, I'm the the, end, like at the end everyone was making tired decisions. Like yeah, Sissoko yeah. should have just laid it off. To like Ericsson was right behind him. Mm. There should have been communication there. There was a, there was a couple of chances on the break we had as well. I think um, a lot messed like around that. with set pieces. Exactly. As well. Like the last last what twenty five minutes of the game was just end to end because both both teams were just was, just getting knackered. Didn't yeah. It? I felt the last five was a bit mad as well. To be honest, first five ten in last five ten sorry in particular was a bit mad. Mm. Um, who do you think was like best and worst Spurs player then to wrap it up? Ooh. And Arsenal. Spurs player today. I don't know. Actually, <laughs> it's probably Danny Rose to be fair. Dan, wow. Danny Rose did well. And worse. You already said Kane, well. innit? Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's harsh, though. Nah, man. not Kane. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say Kane. I would say um, Davison Sanchez should have been a bit more calm and collected. Should have put the ball out to the clear the lines instead to of. the bases, innit? Clear yeah, lines, the bases. Clear lines just before half time. That was very poor. That was, that was the worst decision of the game. <laughs> 
And for me, I'd say for Arsenal, best and worst, Xhaka is probably the worst. Between toss up between Xhaka and Socrates, I, I'm normally Socrates' biggest fan, but I'd probably say Xhaka to be fair. Uh, best, I'd say Guendouzi. Followed by, I think Aubameyang and Lacazette put shifts in. I think Pepe did all right as well, but probably Guendouzi. From a Spurs perspective, I'd say Son, you know, best Son. I thought yeah, Son yes. was on stuff Son, today. Son well, I think, well. yeah, man, Son on the counter. Yeah, look. He, he looked a bit, he needed to shoot more. Yeah, like, yeah, no, no, no. He, no. he weren't perfect, the decision-making, but from, yeah. a, I'm, look, from an Arsenal perspective, anytime he had the ball, I felt he was going to create something or like he was going to trouble us or do something. Worst player, in fact, you know what? He's for that, but I'd say for the dirty dark hearts putting shifts in, I'd say Lemayna. Because when you lot was ahead, Lemayna was annoying me, for, but I would have loved it from a Spurs perspective. He was, he was just doing little things to break up that's play. What that's what he's there for. That's what I said. That's that's what what when we, we spoke about this in this very yeah, car, like yeah, I said, you gotta play. Defender, yeah, you gotta play him in that game. Completely different to how you would have thought he'd been like coming up through River Plate and that when he was on FIFA and that. <laughs> like completely different. Worst player. Mm. Davison Sanchez as well, but I, I I wasn't impressed with Winks, you know. Like I can't see what Winks yeah, gave I, I you in this game. Either. Like I can't. I, I can't see. Like either. I don't. Like he kind of against Arsenal. For, as an Arsenal fan, telling you the blueprint to play us, the minimum is your midfielders kind of have to be brave. Like they don't even have to be expansive. They just have to be on playing certain passes. Yeah. And he cowered away from stuff. Like, like why didn't he just risk it? Take off Winks and just like. Give someone mm. a point. Just put on Mora. Mora's on the bench. Why yeah, you put on Mora? Because that's what I was thinking as well. Because you wouldn't even say Winks is the. He, he switched on because he likes to do things with the team, but he's not the best defensive de defensive kind of aspect type guy you got in your squad. No. Surely, like that's he's not. So the... could do all that work. Yeah, like you could have just taken him off. I think Endombele not being fit ruined his plans to a degree, which ain't an excuse because these things happen. But mm. I think it kind of messed him up. One thing I well, one thing I like about both managers is today. Emre played the front three. Just give it to us. Um, and I like well, I don't like it. Cause I'm not a Spurs fan, but I think obviously there's all. F Nonsense over many players' futures. He didn't mess about. He just played them. Like he just, he just played them. Like he just played Jan Vertonghen yeah. and he just played Ericsson. You have to play your best team. Yeah, you have to play your best team. And at the end of the day, it's a football game. Like exactly. okay, they might want to move, but play this game. Like yeah, I don't yeah, buy into the reason of ah, oh, I'm I'm at Spurs now. They're giving me, they offering me a contract, but um, I don't know. Juventus are on me, so my head is yeah. messed up. I can't play. It's a game of football. You know, yeah. you're not doing surgery on someone's house. <laughs> I, like get the football, kick in the back of the net, like. Like, who's thinking about this stuff when you play football anyways, man? But we're quite late, man. So love for that, bro, man. Like, yeah, man, do you want to shout out your shout? I know you don't want to shout out your socials. I just felt to do that another little bad <laughs> thing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, love for that, though, man. And people, obviously, make sure you check out my YouTube content. Big up my guy for doing this. We'll do this more often when I can with other fans. I told you I'll bring my guys, man. But um, we've been here longer than we need to be. But it's been an enjoyable chat, so... People deluded, man. Yeah, this should be part of my podcast. So by now, the podcast should be flicking back to the normal stuff. So I'm out.